57. That is the 57th episode of the Back to Football podcast. That is the number one podcast for people who probably should talk about something other than football. John Miller joins me uh, today with the Wenger in hashtag in his name. Um, John, it seems like uh, an age ago since we uh, started the podcast up um, with some some ropey tech and echoes all around the uh on the final product um but yeah 57 episodes in going strong yeah going strong um just, just love having a chat with you boys um it's all the more better when arsenal have a good result but as we'll come on to later it's uh it's, it's sorry times yes sorry times for arsenal and um good times for spurs which uh... yeah well we will be covering um both of those teams mm. on the pod today um and we're joined by someone who is inevitably uh very happy about their result this week spurs fan mr greg tmr greg hollands how are you yeah, man. All good. Good weekend of sport. Um, it wasn't the most pleasant viewing experience I've ever had, but I'm glad that it ended the way it did and the way the weekend ended was brilliant as well. <laughs> it was. It was. Um, we've had several kind of announcements uh, today in terms of, uh, well, some things that will affect uh, football in particular with crowd um, numbers, I guess, or, or fans being allowed back into stadiums. We're hearing this uh, 4,000 is is the figure that's kind of made the headlines. Uh, but I think there's some sort of relation to the, the tier system that Boris is putting into place sort of post uh, December 2nd. Now, obviously, this is something that, you know, fans back in stadiums is a great thing. Um, does 4,000 fans in somewhere like Old Trafford, does that make any difference whatsoever? Um, and how on earth would you go about actually selecting those 4,000 lucky fans that uh, would get to go and see uh, a game like that? I'll come to Greg on that one first. I think that in terms of sport, especially football, and especially the parameters of the podcast, is a great sort of bit of news to come out today. I think in the wider aspect of the situation, it might not be, but that's probably a different conversation to be had. I can imagine, I don't know, this is the problem. I'd like to think it's going to be a sort of ballot, maybe, of, you know, season ticket holders, maybe get selected and chosen. But, I mean, from what we've seen from the Premier League this season, it could be the highest bidders, really, couldn't it? Whoever's willing to throw the most money at you mm. um, gets to be in those games. But I think it's a good sign going forward. Um, it's just whether it makes a difference. I think that it will make a bigger difference for... Uh, you know, Championship, League One and League Two than it would Premier League. But, you know, it's a step in the right direction. Yeah, absolutely. And maybe there'll be a bit more of a spread because um, there, there'll be some teams in League Two that have average attendances way below um, 4,000, I, I would think. Um, so maybe we'll see people that would go to a, I don't know, a Championship game or a Premier League game that is going to inevitably easily fill that 4,000 quota. I mean, I'm thinking somewhere like Liverpool, and Anfield, if they are going on the kind of who's had their season ticket the longest type thing, there's going to be people on there that have had 40 years. You know, mm. you're probably looking at like 40 years of, of season ticket membership uh, to even get into that 4,000 group, I would think. But then um, they're probably the most vulnerable if they've had it for 40 years. <laughs> yeah, that's a good, that is a good point. That is a very good point. Um, John, do you think Arsenal can, uh, can fill 4,000 seats at the Emirates? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know at the moment. Although I think they need it. Um, you know, I think they need uh, a bit of a crowd there to get to get going. Because I think apart from the uh, 
Fulham performance, which was away from home, we've been very, very flat. Um, so, um, yeah, I'm not saying that's the reason for Arsenal's bad performances, but we need something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> need something. But yeah, no, I concur with Greg. I think the lower lower league teams, I think, where, you know, they they don't have the TV money or, yeah, you know, from, from Sky and all the rest of it, I think it's vital for them. Um, you know, some clubs have gone out of business or whatever so it, uh, it's, it's, it's vital that that, that happens and, and like Greg says there is some should it happen should it not happen in is it are we just going to put ourselves in another situation until vaccines become available yeah. you know uh, but um, I, as Greg said that's a story that's a conversation for another podcast but <laughs> yeah but yeah I think uh, overall for for that because funnily enough I didn't actually realize until like quite recently a couple of weeks ago that the crowd noise that we hear, they don't hear. That's just for us. <laughs> they heard it. I don't know why I missed that one. So that it's it's for them. It's like training games. Yeah, you know? yeah like training. Yeah. So for them to actually, you know, have you know, that's going to feel like really loud for them. Mm. What they've been used to for the last yeah. however long. Um, so it will be interesting to see how that how that plays out. Did you think that they pumped the noise into the stadium? You know, like at supermarkets when they play the bird, bird noises outside to uh, to to ward off pigeons and seagulls. They play like the the noise of eagles. Um, you thought that was what was going on inside yeah, the stadium? Yeah, pumping music into that stadium, man. Yeah, I think they were doing that in uh, in the Bundesliga in the first few games that they yeah, played they back, were. like Dortmund and stuff. They they were playing a lot of music in the ground, but um, yeah, you're right. It's uh, it's literally been like training games um and you you'd think there'd be some sort of impact at least on the um player communication as well on the pitch and especially if you're like uh i know that there's like you know the language of football as such and and there are certain things that are kind of a given and and a lot of these players at the top top level will probably make a run without having to be told or pass the ball without having to be told but you would think there has to be some sort of impact. And I, I'd like to think that there's someone out there kind of looking at that and studying that, how the actual reduced ambient noise in a stadium, mm. actually um, what effect that has on player communication, especially if you're non-English speaking or, or you're playing on a team with no one that you kind of have a, a common tongue with as such. Um, I know there was the thing earlier in the season with... Um, I think it was Azpilicueta conversing with Thiago Silva in French because obviously Zuma, Mendy um, and Thiago Silva all speak French um, and Azpilicueta being the um, genius that he is also speaks French. I don't know if he played in the French League. I think he's just very well educated. Um, but yeah, like th those kind of things... Um, surely you know crowd noise has to have an effect because so, like certain stadiums are very loud um mm. and you're thinking you know if you're right down in front of a stand or something um but yeah i don't i don't know whether four thousand will be enough to kind of shift the momentum with that but uh it will certainly be interesting another thing that came out this week which was uh, i think a rishi sunak um chance of the exchequer announcement was this uh winter care package type thing for um sports kind of all across the uk um greg have you got the info on that and, and how the money actually breaks down 
Uh, yeah, I have actually. Um, he announced it really weird. Like the tweet is really weird. He's using like emojis and all of that. It didn't seem like a like a politician's tweet. Um, <laughs> but basically, it's three hundred million. It's called the Sport Winter Survival Package. Nice. Uh, and this is the breakdown for you. So rugby union gets one hundred thirty-five million of that three hundred million. Horse racing is next. Uh, it gets forty million. Football, 28 million, motorsports, six, tennis, five, netball, four, basketball, four, ice hockey, four, and badminton, two million. Um, the, I, I don't know if they published the reasoning behind any of it, um, but there's a huge disparity in the fact that it's 300 million and nearly half of that is going towards rugby union. It's pretty mental. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if anyone saw Eddie Hearn, his open letter today, um, to local MP, uh, boxing gets barely in. I don't think it gets anything. No, right. It wasn't even on the list. I don't think. No. What's what are your thoughts on that, John? Because obviously you're the sort of boxing expert out of all of us. Yeah, I think that was just ridiculous. I mean, that was one of the first things I replied when I saw it, didn't I, in the, in the WhatsApp group? And uh, you know, I just think it's just been massively overlooked. I get, you know, even if it was a couple of million, it's not to go to Queensbury or to Matchroom. You know, it would be, you know, those small war shows that just haven't happened. Yes, yep. we've had some boxing um, behind closed doors, but that's because, you know, matching have got loads of money. They can suffer the hit and, you know, they get some Sky Sports money and some sponsorship. They can, you know, yes, you might get a bit of a pay cut, but you can still get out there. We've had some great fights. You know, Chisora has been out, Usyk, you know, um, lots of good fights have, have happened. But those that... Uh, promoters that do like the Sporn Hall shows, York Hall, the rest of it, they haven't been out at all. So there's people, there's, you know, I was listening to a, a boxing uh, podcast and it, there's people who were like pretty much like put their career on hold to go get another job so they can put food on the table because they can't get out, um, yeah. get a run out because they're not a big draw. They probably got, can sell about a, few, a couple of hundred tickets, um, which would be all right. Um, but they can't even do that, <laughs> but what they would usually do because no one's coming in. Um, and it's just, yeah, I think that's massively overlooked. Plus, like the, all the clubs as well, all the, the, you know, you know, it's an Olympic sport. You know, it's an Olympic yeah. sport for crying out loud. Um, you know, it's, it's just horrendous. And if you click the um, one of the links that is in his tweet, it actually takes you to the government website. And obviously what's not in that list in his tweet is actually Rugby League, and they actually get 12 million. So... If you add that to 35 million, my maths ain't great, but that's what, 157 million? Or something like that? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, so that's like half of it on rugby. Mm. <laughs> you know, it's just, that's just, it's just so, I don't even want it. It's just so political. Yeah. And so, what did cricket uh, get out of, out of interest? Is that on the list, do you know? Um, no, it wasn't in the tweet. Um, not, Greyhound racing gets a million. Yeah, <laughs> spend it on dog food. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it, it is. It's so like that is disproportionate, and it's not to say that rugby union, rugby league doesn't need that money, but everyone else also needs that money. So, yeah, it does seem like an unfair, um, an unfair split for sure. I mean, my sort of initial reasoning was that perhaps it's where um 
the TV money, you know, you have players and, and we, we compete in, in the Heineken Cup and, and these big European leagues um, and the salaries are pretty high in, in rugby union um, and maybe they're not getting as much TV money because there's only there tends to only be one TV network that picks up, um, I can't remember, is it Premier League rugby, isn't it? Is that what it's called? Um the you know wasps and and Ooh. harlequins and all of that um so therefore you've got like who whichever network wants to buy it buy it for a set price and you don't have that the competitive element of sky bidding against bt Ooh. bidding against uh prime and all of that um so i'd imagine that the tv pot is probably a lot lower um but in terms of a a national sport it might be it's it's certainly up there. That and cricket are probably our two. Um, yeah, I don't see cricket on the list though. I'm not to say that they yeah not getting anything, but um, they're not on the list. Maybe they're not getting anything. Yeah, but, uh, certainly. I mean, in terms of a, a class, you know, if you're looking at it from like a class point of view, and 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 a conservative government kind of looking after um, slightly kind of more middle class sports, then I'm sure cricket is getting a, a fair wedge in mm. there. Um, I mean, I just find it odd that two sports which involve animals and betting are getting well yeah other sports but they're getting more than sports that actually involve humans yeah Uh, yeah (laughs) it just doesn't make any sense to me i mean greyhound racing getting a million surely boxing could have got a a million um i just think and and maybe sorry what was the figure for boxing in the end Nothing. There wasn't any. There was nothing. Nothing for boxing. No, no, no. That's why Eddie Hearn's complaining. I mean, we know that for yeah. sure. We don't know. It's not reported. Yeah. I haven't heard anything. Um, yeah. You know, but for boxing, we know because, you know, promoters have come out. Yeah. come out. That there is nothing because they're saying, yeah. why is there nothing? And no one from cricket's come out as far as I'm aware. Yeah. So I, I would assume that they might not be on the list, but maybe they're getting, you sure. know, a few hundred thousand or something. Um as opposed to a million, because it only the lowest on the list is, is a million. Right. Uh, it could just be that's why they're on the list, and those in the hundreds of thousands, they might not not make, not make the sure. list. Right. Don't know, but yeah, boxing's getting zero zero pence, um, which is which is which is odd. I just, in my opinion, I I think, um, you know, I, I think some Olympic some of those Olympic sports could have got could have got a little bit more track and field, taekwondo, or the rest of it, swimming. Yeah. You know, they could have got something. Uh, I just think it's a bit out of order that it's such so disproportionate. They could have, yeah. you know, given them 120 million if they really, if rugby really needed yeah. it. Yeah. And 15 million could have gone a long way yeah. uh, to some of the other sports that looks as if they didn't get anything. Yeah, I wonder if there's been any kind of redistribution of uh, lottery funding as well during this time. Because I know the national lottery um a lot of that money goes into particularly athletics and i do wonder whether boxing falls under some sort of like olympic purse in terms of like you say it's an olympic sport does that then mean that they get a block grant i don't know i i'm, I'm just i'm yeah, i think there's definitely TV but... funding and, and and stuff yeah. but uh, again i'm not, i'm not sure and Maybe mm. we just need some more information on this. But yeah. there wouldn't be, if it was enough that they were getting a redistribution, there wouldn't be yeah. such outcry. And like Greg said, like Eddie Hearns, you know, put an open letter out and, and, sure. rest, and there's there's lots of, you know, up and coming boxers yep. um, 
journeymen that get a, <laughs> get a couple of grand just to get punched in the face yeah. in the last couple of rounds that I just haven't been able to get out because they just can't they, they're not getting on those smaller shows yeah I mean while we're on the topic um and uh, advanced apologies to uh Mr. Tom Nuttall Jones who who hates any kind of fight talk uh he's not too much of a, a, a combat sports fan but um three quick fights to literally spend 30 seconds on each but um Dubois and uh Joyce this weekend um John who who are you expecting to come out victorious in that um that's a tough one I mean if I was putting, putting my money on it I'd put it on Joyce just because he's got the amateur pedigree he's been in there with the likes of Usyk you know he's a lot older Daniel Dubois I think only had something like seven I'm gonna throw that number mm-hmm. out there amateur fights um if 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 he wins then people will look at um Dubois as as a real contender but I'm putting my money on on uh Joyce as well as that Joyce is older it's kind of do or die it's a long yeah. way back if he loses I think if Dubois loses you know I think he can come back he's, he's what is he what 21 22 something like yeah, that yeah um he can come back and go again get some Joyce good fights. In his 30s isn't he yeah Joyce is like 30 33 or something yeah yeah. So, yeah, it's kind of last, last chance to for him, I reckon. Cool. Uh, second fight is the Tyson and uh, Roy Jones Jr. fighting uh, on Saturday night. Um, that's an interesting one. What's uh, what's likely to happen there? I don't know. Hopefully, they've got some defibrillators um, you know, <laughs> <laughs> nearby. Um yeah, I mean, that's nostalgia. I, I don't think it's going to be anything how people have seen. There's been a few tweets, two-second tweets of people like moving really quickly, hitting some pads. I would put my money on Roy Jones. I know, you know, he's, I just think Mike Tyson's older. I think the way how he finished it, well, they both finished their career getting some bad yeah. knockouts, but I, I don't know. I just think Mike Tyson's older. He's, he's, he's had more like wear and tear on his body in terms yeah. of what he's done to his body, you know, drink, drugs, alcohol, all the rest yeah. of it. And I just think Roy Jones has probably kept himself in better shape and I think he'll probably win that. Point, in, so. in their prime, they were different weight classes. Or, or they, they were, right? yeah, yeah. They were, yeah. Right. Um, and then finally, I'll come to Greg on this one. Um, there's been a lot of hype around it this week from the absolute helmet that is... Uh, Logan Paul uh, trying to sort of promote this fight with Floyd Mayweather. Um, Surely he gets absolutely schooled if he even, you know, steps one round in the ring with with Floyd. Um, But yeah, do you think that fight's going to happen? Look, the way I see it is that Logan Paul knows good marketing. He will keep pressing this as long as it keeps his name trending on Twitter and all that. And (laughs) Floyd Mayweather loves money. I mean, he, he fights to, to get the money and then he loses it all and then he fights again and loses it all. Um, so, you know, offer him another big enough bag. I think he takes it because, you know, he knows that he wins that fight. Um, yeah, it would be, I think, I don't even know if it would be a good fight to watch, really. It would just be, because Logan Paul isn't a good fighter by any means. We know this from the boxer, the YouTube boxing. He's a big guy, but in terms of boxing, he's not really that impressive. Um, and especially against probably one of the best boxers out there. The best boxer. Probably <laughs> right, exactly. living, I would think. Would you agree, right. John? Yeah, he's, he's definitely up there. Yeah. So it's a, it's a no contest, really. But, I mean, you know, they'll keep at it as long as it keeps them both in the headlines. And if they can both make a bit of money off of it, that's all it is, really. 
Yeah, be a huge payday for for Logan Paul, you would think. Ooh, yeah, massive. Uh, so yeah, those those were the the three fights uh, to quickly touch on. I think you mentioned just before we came on air as well that uh, Conor McGregor rematch is confirmed for January. Yeah, is that yeah. Right? Dustin Dustin Poirier, that'd be good. Um, yeah, well, Conor McGregor's always in the office. Yeah, <laughs> he was retired. Yeah, exactly. The yo-yo, <laughs> the retirement yo-yo that is Conor yeah. McGregor. Um, yeah. All right, let's uh, which we haven't done for a while. Let's go back. To football um <laughs> seeing as we are the back to football podcast the number one podcast for people who probably should talk about something other than football uh our next topic is spurs uh you can see there no way jose is our uh our title for this segment now spurs are sitting top of the league right now um they're playing good football they're playing football that gets premier league points uh which i think is the most important thing um I'll come to John on this one first as the Arsenal <laughs> fan on the, on the podcast. Uh, do they have the pedigree and the, and the, the squad power um, and the experience with Jose to stay at the top of the league now and genuinely kind of compete for this title? Before yesterday's game, I would have said yes, 100%. Um, Jose is a serial winner. Um, you know, he doesn't go very long without winning something um, with, with any team that he's, he, he's won something with every team. Right. Yeah. Um, so obviously he never got a full season last season, which is why it doesn't really count. Right. But so I, I, I you've got Jose on your side. You can never count against him. Yeah. You've got the squad, you know, Harry Kane is, although people are saying, Oh, he hasn't scored as much he, to me. He's on fire. I, when you watch a game, Right, he's actually on fire. Like he's creating, he's, he's still scoring. His, his, yeah. his strike rate's not poor. He's just not the focal point anymore. And I think that's a good thing because if you, so I'm going to sidestep slightly here. If you look at Arsenal, they're still trying to do what they did, what was successful last season, which is a Bamiang out on on the wide. Right, yeah. teams have figured it out. You know, if I think if Jose would have gone with the tactics that were playing last last season, which was just Kane not dropping dropping off as much and being that focal point. I think teams would have figured it out. I think he's been clever. He's made some adjustments to the side. Teams keeping the opposition on their toes when it comes to them working Spurs out tactically. And I think it's working. It's absolutely working. And I think you look at, you know, the Celso comes off the bench, um, gets a goal. Um, I definitely, definitely got the, the, the squad depth to do it. He's had that time with them now. Yep. Obviously, you watched this, you watched the All or Nothing documentary, and, and you can see then, even last season, that you know things were starting to come together. But it was more about mindset and mentality, and that whole thing that Arsenal fans and other fans used to say: "So Spurs, they're, sp- they're going to Spurs it up. They're in the cup final. Or they're, they're, you know, they're a few games to go. They're going to oh, they'll Spurs it up. They'll miss." It's just getting them out of that mindset of them. They are what they are. Could they? They are winners. They can be winners. They need to be cunts as he says in the yeah. <laughs> on the show and just not be nice and, and i think he's kind of getting out of them now it, that that started to come out and i'm a little bit nervous i mean i mean i'm not massively nervous because if they win it i'll still as an arsenal fan say well we've won it more times than you right but i still don't want them to win it <laughs> but yesterday without with all them injuries uh, and and they still they still beat a good leicester side you know three nil i think It'd be hard for for uh, Spurs to to topple Liverpool. Yeah, uh, Greg, some some optimism. 
I think, okay, so that so far this season, before the City game, we we played teams that we should have beaten and got points against. Saturday was a real test to see if we were any good. And it wasn't good football. It wasn't particularly that good football, as I said. Like, it was the most unpleasant, like, 90 minutes of my life, I think. Um, but we got the points. We did exactly what we needed to. If we're still in the same position or a similar position in a month's time, because we've got some difficult fixtures coming up, then we're, we're dangerous. Do you know what I mean? We're looking dangerous. It is just that thing of... And John said it. Eric Dyer had a, a, an interview after the game and he said we're not Spurs anymore that's not us anymore yeah and I think that that mentality is absolutely key I think as you say in the all or nothing documentary Jose is still instilling that uh, philosophy in the players and even the players that we've brought in I've said it before on the podcast like they're not particularly glamorous signings really I mean Bale a couple of years ago would have been much better than he is now probably but he's won what four Champions Leagues and however many La Ligas with Real Madrid Hoybier has played every minute of our season so far and been absolutely class for every one of those. Eric Dyer's performing better. Our defence against Man City was the best I've seen it in a long, long time. And I've said on this podcast that it'll be the defence that lets us down. If they play like they did Saturday, then we're very solid. And I've said it again against the West Ham game. I said this this result doesn't matter as much as the response does. And I think that that game was just as important as any other game. I think for that mentality, we sort of needed that. We needed to drop points against Everton at the beginning of the season. Granted, we didn't know that they were going to be as good as they were. And the capitulation against West Ham, it's those games that are building this club. And yeah, it's an exciting time. I'm not massively hopeful. I don't think we can win the I don't think no I don't think we will win the Premier League I think we could this year but look Jose Mourinho has been in the job for one year imagine where we could be next year mm. yeah absolutely. that's the thing that I'm looking forward to so the next two Premier League games for Spurs is uh is Chelsea away um which I think is this weekend coming up Sunday uh, Super Sunday game, yeah, four thirty, and then following that they play uh, Arsenal, yeah, um, at home. So two huge games. You'd think, you know, if and it, and it's probably a, a dream scenario, but if they were to take six points from those games, they then play Palace away, and then it's Liverpool uh, at Anfield. So um, that game itself is is looking to be. Um, you know a special game whatever happens but um i fairly neutral in this situation i like i've had a soft spot for spurs um you know pretty much i love dimitar berbatov when when that kind of era of spurs um really kind of uh, endeared me to that that team but um i like Mourinho. i like most of the spurs players i think there's there's kind of there's very few players in that spurs team that are unlikable i don't know whether you would agree with that john like there's no one in that team that you look and you go like oh what an absolute arsehole like, i really hate that guy i mean eric dyer maybe comes close to that yeah do you know what if i didn't watch the documentary I yeah would have, i would have said eric dyer probably <laughs> Deli ali yeah, uh, yeah and but they're quite soft characters really like in the documentary yeah but then i think watching that documentary made me look at the Spurs players on a human level, yeah, rather than yeah, fan level, and they're not 
bad people and they want to win. And I was actually watching that documentary Envious, you know, thinking yeah. they've got such a good squad. Like Son, to me, he'd walk into Arsenal's team. Kane walks into Arsenal's team. Yeah. You know, um, the Celso, in my opinion, walked into Arsenal's team 110%. The whole back four probably walked into <laughs> I don't know why you've chosen Arsenal, man. That's no measure of any success. Yeah, so it's like, um, yeah, I'm just saying it as, as an Arsenal fan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm looking over and I am jealous. And I'm thinking at the time, I remember we were doing pods around that time when Jose went went there. And I was saying I would want I want Jose because I know that that those there's some good players there. Like Ozil, yeah. for me, is a world-class player. Uh, you don't just stop becoming a world-class player. And I think you need, Arsenal needed someone like Jose. Because if Jose, Jose came out and said recently, um, I a couple of weeks ago, that he was like one of the best players he's ever coached or one of his favourite players or something worse to that effect. So, you know, he would have got in there. He would have got him playing. And he definitely would have got some of those Arsenal boys who are, you know, looks like they're on a holiday every week. Got yeah. them playing. There's not a bad squad there. And I think it's a mentality thing. And I just think that's where... Jose is is that he, he works at that high level when it comes to the mentality, um, and yeah, I'm just looking over that road there, just a little bit, a little bit envious of, of what's happening there because, you know, it's it's top four for me is is definite like they 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 yeah. definitely own that up. You know, their squad's really really good. It's just how consistent can Liverpool be with all these injuries? Uh, City, I don't know what's going on with them, but. Um, you know, I, th- I think if Spurs can keep keep up this consistency, they don't get any long layoff injuries like yep. they did last season to Kane and Son. Then, yeah, I'm, I'm a little bit worried. I'm a little bit worried. Fair enough. I think another good example of that with uh, with players that kind of from Spurs that would get into the Arsenal team. I genuinely think Ryan Sessegnon would get quite a lot of game time if he was at Arsenal, and yet he's out on loan at Hoffenheim in Germany. Scored um, his first goal at the weekend. He scored yeah, his first goal. Yeah. In a, three all draw I think um but yeah I think um yeah it's different how how times have changed really from sort of six seven years ago um to to what they are now uh with with Spurs and Arsenal um let's move then on to uh Arsenal I mean we kind of covered a lot of it there to be honest um but Greg you had a point about Arteta that you dropped in the group chat before about Maybe is it the hand he's dealt or is it him? I can't remember how oh, yeah, you actually yeah. worded it. Yeah, yeah. Because I think that um, Arteta is doing what a lot of people thought Mourinho would do at Spurs. And I wanted to know, John, from your perspective, is it to do with... This is why Arteta- Boothy's not on the show today, by the way. Either. He's he's running from this question. <laughs> yeah. Whatever's I'm about to come. Out, I'm <laughs> Go on. Is it... Arteta that is the problem or are the players just not playing for him do you think that it's who's to blame for this kind of thing going on because I think that Arteta oh no no tell me what you think I just think the squad's not good enough um I, I, I think you know when he came in yeah, you know, you could see what he was trying to do, but you could see the mistakes we were making, clashing that, making, you know, the Spurs, North London derby, making that dreadful bat pass. I think if he doesn't do that, we win the game. Um, you know, David Luiz doing crazy things. Um, I just think, like, there's just a calamity in every player. There's, like, a massive flaw in every player. I mean, you look at, we sold Oliver Giroud. We got Lacazette. 
And like I said, doesn't Giroud's barely getting a kick in the ball for Chelsea, but he's he's starting for uh, <laughs> France. And like I said, it isn't. You know, it just goes to show. Like I said, it's not a top four player in my opinion. I do think it, uh, Arteta does have to shoulder some of the blame for sure because I think tactically he just hasn't adapted. You know, he's he's coming. He's had a something that worked. We won the FA Cup and Arsenal like a cup team, and um, but they've won the FA Cup and he's just you know and teams have figured out you know Arsenal and he just hasn't adapted. It's taken him you know to what game nine to play Aubameyang down the middle where he you know, when Lacazette hasn't really been playing or playing well or um, in Ketia. So I definitely think it's, 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 it's him. I do think there's something going on there that's not right. I mean, you've got Gwen Doozy who's out of the squad because of ill discipline. You've got something going on with Ozil, which ain't right. He's not getting the game time, even though Arsenal can't create paper mache, right? And <laughs> you've got... Um, now, Pepe, who's been begging for a chance, giving his chance, he's headbutting people. Um, so there's something going on. I mean, he's I learned from his namesake, isn't he? The other Pepe. He's yeah, low, right? psycho, yeah. When, when, you said, when you posted that in the group chat, Pepe's been sent off. I was like, Pepe plays for Porto or wherever he is now. Headbutt, headbutting someone, but yeah. Sorry, yeah, Jim. exactly. Yeah, no, I mean, when Wenger came in, we, we our discipline was poor for a while. Like, Vieira was getting sent off every other week, right? But. I don't know. I just think we've gone a bit stale. It's gone a bit flat. Um, you know, I, I thought, I really thought we would kick on given the fact that we beat like Spurs, not Spurs, um, we beat uh, Liverpool and City and Chelsea, you know, um, we beat United. I thought that like, we would start to kick on and it just hasn't, it just hasn't worked. And I, I can't put my finger on it. Like something, something isn't right. And I, I think, I'm not sure what's going to happen with the Pepe situation because the way he came out after the after the match and was really scathing of Pepe, he didn't wasn't doing that when David Luiz was pulling down Raheem Sterling last season. And, um, and yeah. it's almost like he's got his favourites, and I don't know, maybe it's a bit too early for him. Um, it's this this job, um, you know. He, he seems to have his favourites. You know, you got Williams playing most of the time, and you know, I think he might have got a knock. Um, a hard, and he got pulled off at half time. Otherwise, he would have probably played 60, 70 minutes. And he's just playing horrendously, um, you know. And pff, I don't know. I just think he's got his favourites. Some Kia Jiraption loving going on. Um, and, um, yeah, I just think it's, I, I can see a sticky end for him if, if he doesn't turn this around very, very soon. Because the Arsenal, as you know, the Arsenal fans are probably one of the most hmm. out there fans. And when the AFT... TV guys get going and the banners start coming out, managers' heads roll. Um, yeah. So I, I think if he don't turn the corner pretty soon, I think he's going to be in a, he's going to be in a bit of, bit of trouble. Yeah, I mean it's interesting just to go back to you saying that you know Lacazette's not a top four player and Özil kind of falling off the wagon as such, and and Pepe going from quite an exciting talent at, at Lille, I think it was in in Ligue 1 and. Yeah. And coming over and 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 he's you know failing to really light it up anytime he gets on the pitch as well. Is Arsenal turning into a kind of a culture where players almost you can see they're they're falling out of love with the game? There's some something there just in the in the makeup of the club, I think, um, that seems to just make these players just seize up in their career progression. I mean, even to some extent. <laughs> And generally, he has bucked that curve. But Aubameyang, even like if you take Aubameyang when he was at San Etienne and then when he was at Dortmund, 
he was on this like crazy career arc where mm. he was probably like a 30 gold season guy um and even he is kind of getting dragged into that arsenal like just energy that seems to just sap players and i think part of that as mentioned is things like aftv is awful fans like piers morgan piping up every time you know something you know some minor inconvenience in the club he's on twitter mm. and he's kind of like a you know he's chip off donald trump's shoulder mm. really fucking piers morgan like just a horrible guy um so you've got all of these like negative influences around the club um and then also i think the other factor and this is something that i think man united are almost over but if you look at ferguson era man united there's not that much of a and, and i know ferguson is sort of like a director of football or whatever at man united but there's not that much of a hangover in the dressing room Ooh. from that era. Certainly player-wise, I don't think there's too many players still at Man United that played under Ferguson. Um, I know, obviously, Michael Carrick is a still there. assistant. Oli Solskjaer is the manager. Like, you know, those things aside. Whereas I think with Arsenal, there are quite a few... But, oh, actually, I'm thinking... Lacazette was there. Bellerin... Abama Yang, they're all Wenger, you know, like the the Wenger era is much more fresh well, in the dressing room left, at, left at more Arsenal. Recently, right? Didn't he? Didn't he? Uh, didn't um, Ferguson retired, what, 2000, what, 14? Eight, yeah, 13 yeah, even, maybe. Yeah, there's, there's going to be that. Yeah, there's going to be that. Uh, the reason why I put hashtag Wenger in is because even in our worst time, yeah. And we had the likes of Diaby's, the Nilsons, um, great players, Phil Bentner's. Yeah. We were, we, we would Ali never, Aladier. We would never go. Although Aladier was around when we were good, to be fair, <laughs> he just never got the game time. We never had. <laughs> uh, it was never as bad as I see it now. I mean, in terms of, we we might be finishing fourth, and you know, we might take up eight two here in there. But Arsenal always had that thing where we played really good football, and we'd always go on a run. You know, when when the sun came out, you know, we'd always go on a run and pit Spurs to the top four or yep. pit someone else and we'd get in their top four. And even when we didn't, we were just fifth. We never looked, we're never like down where we are now. Mm. You know, four, nine games, four defeats, one draw, four losses. I mean, that is, that is mid-table Arsenal are a mid-table team now. That's like reminds me of a David Moyes Everton team or, mm -hmm. or whatever, you know, um, that just can't quite get it together. You, you win one, everyone's gassed. Yeah. And you lose your next three. That is mid-table mid <laughs> in, it, in, in itself, you know. Yeah. Um, and, and under Wenger, it was never, ever, ever like this, ever. Um, even when our teams were horrendous, um, there was like no talent in there. It was never like this. Um, and I just don't think Arteta's the man for the job. I think, I mean, I'd take Pochettino at this rate. Um, I just think we need someone else who's a bit more, um, who's just got way more experience. You can get get the players going. And I just think his first job, maybe he might be trying to be too pep-like. Pep He's really yeah. and everything. I mean, there's rumours coming out of the club that 
players feel a bit restricted. Like he's very much like, run here, do this, check that. Yeah. And you can hear him if you watch, especially now in the crowd, you can hear him constantly talking, constantly talking. It's like me when I do, I do that, but I'm coaching under 12s. <laughs> you know, you have to, <laughs> you have to do that. You have to, because they'll just be walking around otherwise. These are professional footballers. They need to have their, some identity. Um, apart from Bellerin making that run, Again, and then playing in Saka, like very, very sideways, very methodical. Mm-hmm. It's just not, I don't know. I just think we need something else. Um, I'm not necessarily saying he needs to go now, but I think if he gets to the end of the season and we, I don't know, win a, win an FA Cup or get quite far in a cup and still finish like eighth or seventh, I think that's not good enough, not for Arsenal. And I think he would need to go. Yeah. Uh, Bellerin, yeah, sorry, just, you go, Greg. Just, just one question. John, do... Arsenal fans have the same sort of Arsenal fans and the culture at Arsenal. Do they have that similar love or the sort of same love that Chelsea fans and the Chelsea culture do for Frank Lampard? With with what player? With Arteta. You oh, with Arteta. Arteta, Arteta yeah. Sorry, so, sorry. Um, so obviously Arsenal with Arteta. Yeah. Chelsea with Frank Lampard. What is the no, 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 definitely same kind of love, or is it? I think Arteta wasn't he a panic buy with um, Mertesacker? Um, when like Arsenal got a paste in, and there was still some time in the January transfer window or something like yeah. that. I think he came with Mertesacker and stuff. I mean, he wasn't. I don't think he was there long enough, and he didn't win us anything major. He wasn't the reason why we won the FA Cup after however many years of not winning the trophy. You know, it was people like Walcott, you know, Olivier Giroud, you know, people like that who who, who were like the, the people who you see in your mind winning it, like. Arteta was good. He kept things ticking over, but it was a bit El Nenny for me. Like he was there, you know, he was a part of the team, but he weren't. So he, he hasn't got that. You got a Frank Lampard scoring the winning goal to make them win the league. You know, he's got Champions League final. He was there such a long time. Um, no, they don't. I don't think he's got that credit in the bank. I think that's what you're getting at. I don't think he's got that credit in the bank in the same way that I think the reason why he's getting more credit in the bank is because he's worked with Pep and Man City. I think that's what's given him the credit in the bank, not his Arsenal career. Right. Yeah, I, I would I would always consider him more of an Everton legend mm. than he is anything to do with uh, with Arsenal, really, as a player. Um, I was going to mention that it's uh, Bellerin and Aubameyang are the only two Arsenal players that have played every minute in the Premier League uh, so far this season. Two of only 22 players. Um Across the Premier Everyone League. keeps letting him down. That's why. Yeah. Putting Ruth Nelson, apart from that moment where he robbed Van Dyke, he hasn't really, and scored, he yeah. hasn't really done anything. You know, Saka's probably, Saka's probably the only one who I think is actually playing at his level. Yeah. Um, I think everyone else is just kind of coming in. They're not really playing at the level. Um, and I think, although Partey's a great sign and we need him, it's just not enough. I think we need, I mean, there's talk of Ericsson. I don't know about that, but. Um, I don't see him being much better than Ozil. He might as well get Ozil back in, right? Yeah. Um, uh, but I do think we need a, we need that creativity. We we don't have a, you don't have a Fabregas player in, in our midfield, an Eriksen, or Ozil. We don't have yeah. that player. Um, so that final pass, even Alexander Song, all them dink balls he used to play for Van Persie, like we don't, yeah. we don't we don't have that. Yeah. You know, that, and that's why when we're just not finding. But I swear it's like David Luiz playing, missing out the midfield, you know, playing through balls to Aubameyang. It's just, we need something else. Yeah. No, I completely agree. I mean, I do think uh, Ericsson as a, as a real outside chance could 
be on the radar for Arsenal, I think, this uh, this January because he's not getting many minutes under Conte in Milan. Um, Greg, two Spurs players have played every minute so far in the Premier League uh, for Jose. Do you know who they are? Could you guess? Poibier and Lloris. Yep. Brilliant. Well done. Uh, points to that man. Uh, let's move on to um, our uh, show title, I guess, uh, which we'll, we won't spend too much time on, but uh, we're going to look at the team of the season so far. And there was a team um, that I'd seen yesterday. Someone put this forward as their team of the season so far. I think this was probably a Chelsea fan, um, but they've gone for Edouard Mendy in goal, uh, Reese James, uh, Wesley Fofana, Thiago Silva, which is controversial, uh, and Andy Robertson at the back. Then a midfield of Grealish, Fernandez, and James Rodriguez, and then a front three of uh, Son, Kane, and Salah. Now, I think some of those are nailed in. I think I'm, I, I would probably agree with some of those uh, being in there. But let's go through them. I think maybe one by one. Um, and just if, if anyone has any other alternatives, um, please bring them forward. So, uh, Mendy in goal, um, obviously didn't start the season for Chelsea, but since he has come in, he has been pretty epic. Yeah, um, that's solid for me. Yeah, he's yeah, solid. And I think more that's more of a reflection on the other goalkeepers. Yeah. Right. Look at like fantasy football. Everyone's like, oh, I'll get him, I'll get Ramsdale, I'll get, and then like, everyone's yeah. just letting in goals left, right, and centre. And since he's come in, you know they've they've kept a hella clean sheet so yeah that. i think um uh mccarthy's been my goalie in uh in fantasy football he scored quite a few points so maybe he he mm. would probably be the a consideration for um backup goalkeeper in this team uh then we got reese james um in at left back reese james at left back oh, no sorry right back because robertson's yeah he's right back yeah. robertson's left back um yeah, thoughts on him? I mean, he's uh, he's had an amazing season so far, I would think. Yeah, he's done well. Trent hasn't really, before the injury, wasn't really doing it as well. It's been more Robertson. Um, I, just, I can't think of another standout right back at the moment. I think is it who's who's the right back for uh, Brighton? Leicester? No, Leicester. Oh. Is that is that is that James Justin? Yes, and then you've also got Tarek Lamptey uh, oh, with yeah. Brighton, who's been right too, very yeah. good as well. I'd argue for Tarek Lamptey. Yeah. James Got sent Justin. off, didn't he, yesterday? Yeah, apart from that. <laughs> and James Justin's been really good as well. But yeah, I'd, I'd argue, I think James has been better than him. Just, I'd argue for Tarek Lamptey. I'd go with Lamptey on that one. Yeah. No, I, I'm that. inclined to agree with that. Um, Greg, any anyone else you'd want to throw in there? Um, uh, mm, no. Yeah, like... Look at Dinier's left, isn't he? Yeah, Dino's yeah. a left back, yeah, and he's a good consideration as well. Um Wesley Fafana. Um I think what we'll do is we'll leave him in. I th- I think he's been really good and he kind of continues this long line of, of great centre backs being signed by Leicester and, and, and dropping into that team. Um but we'll look at the other position here at centre back, which is Thiago Silva. Um my alternative to Thiago Silva would actually be Kurt Zuma. Um, who has played, I think, eight out of the nine games for Chelsea this season. Um, and the one particular stat that I wanted to touch on is his aerial um, 
aerial duels, he out of 44 aerial duels, he's won 38, um, which puts him at the, the second highest percentage in the league for aerial duels. And the only guy higher than him is Ruben Diaz uh, with City, but Diaz has only had 16 total aerial duels. So he's basically got the same percentage, but for way yeah. over double the amount of aerial duels. Um, and obviously he's been, you know part of this very secure Chelsea defence as of the last kind of month and a half. Um, is is he overlooked as a defender? I, I I feel like he is. I feel like we never really hear singing the praises of Kurt Zuma because he had a slightly slower start to his career, um, went away on, on loan mm. and, and now he's come back. But I think he's an outstanding player. Great. No, I agree with you. And, course, so I agree. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Um, yeah, 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 I agree. I think when he was at Stoke, um, you know, that team was awful. Everton, uh, when he was alone there, I think when he's around those quality players in a good team playing week in, week out, you can see he's cutting out some of the mistakes he was making yeah. in those teams as well. And I think having Thiago Silva next to him, yeah, I would, I'd argue, I'd flip a coin for me, either one of those two. I think they're both outstanding, given the fact that we chastised. Tiago Silva a few weeks ago. <laughs> yeah. That's all wrong. I think uh, another argument, and I'm sure if uh, if Levi and Tom were on the show, is is Fabinho, um, who has put in some remarkable performances at centre-back uh, this season. I'm just looking at, uh, there's only a handful of players that have won more tackles uh, this season than Fabinho, although I think for the purposes of this, we'll consider him a midfielder. Um, although I do suspect he's going to be playing the lion's share of uh, of, of the season um, at centre-back. Uh, Robertson, uh, you mentioned Luca Digne, um Me? or Dean, as they, they I say. I hate that, man. Yeah, Luca or, Dean. Like yeah. he's <laughs> 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 Give him that accent. He deserves it. Yeah. Um, he's been very good. A um, couple of assists, I think against Fulham uh the weekend um who would you take if, if we're saying those two Robertson or Dean Dean from uh from Goodison <laughs> Greg. Greg and John Robertson Robertson yeah I, th- I think I would just about side with Robertson uh his assist for um Jota's header um yeah that was class was uh, was quite remarkable. So, um, yeah, I think he just about edges it. Uh, Everton have obviously had some very shaky moments, including almost the entire second half against Fulham. They were definitely on the ropes. Uh, whereas I don't, I don't think we'll see quite the same uh, kind of mm. game play out when when Liverpool come up against Fulham. So we'll leave Robertson in. Um, so next up, we've got Grealish, uh, Jack Grealish. Move on. He's got to be in there. He's in there. Yeah. No, uh, no brainer. Um, Bruno Fernandez um, has someone to take the penalty, isn't you? <laughs> <laughs> has he been as good as? Uh... Yeah, no. Game out. If, if you're if you're like a like a squad, you you'd have I'd have your Hobie in there. If you're looking at it, like yeah. I'm going to send these guys out for a match. Um, you need someone to <laughs> protect the defense, right? Um, and and as a as a lineup. Yeah, you know, talking about players that have probably got high numbers and are playing well, but 
yeah, I'd definitely be having Hoybier now over him, in my opinion. Yep, no, nice. Uh, Hoybier uh, leads the league on uh, tackles one. Um, also, I think uh, recovered um, loose balls as well. He's 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 well up there. He's fifth in the league. Um, interestingly, Oriel uh, Romeo is is second in the league for that. Um, so you can see how good that Southampton midfield was last year with those two. Maybe you don't need both of them in the same team, but they celebrated getting rid of him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, which is crazy. Um, I think he's been... I, I would put Hoybier in. Um, he'd be one of the first names on the sheet for me. I think he's been a huge part of why Spurs have suddenly emerged as um, a more consistent kind of powerhouse in the Premier League. Um, so, yeah, I think... Do we replace... Does Bruno Fernandes give up his place or does James Rodriguez give up his place for Hoybier? Imagine Hoybier and James Rodriguez. Yeah. Yeah, I think Fernandes. Yeah, yeah. Fernandez got. Okay, yeah. I, I, I'll I'll yield and, and and agree with that. Um, Rodriguez, he he was quite poor against Fulham at the weekend, but other than that, he's been quality. He's kind of injected a a, a good uh, amount of creativity. He's kind of exactly what maybe Arsenal are missing. Um, mm. that luxury player that can see a pass that no one else can has the technical yeah. ability to actually execute that as well. Yeah. Um, the good thing about him as well, or the thing that people might be missing in terms of his assist numbers, he's playing. He's, he reminds me of David Silva. He's playing that pass before the assist. Yeah, that makes it. David Silva used to do that all the time. Like he'd play that crucial pass, and then it would get crossed in, and then and then there'd be a goal. And that happened on the weekend. Like yeah, yeah. Like played that ball quick. He got it out of his foot, played it quick to Dina. We then put it in, and I can't remember if it Decore's was uh, goal. I think was Decore's it. Goal. I think it was Decore's. Or oh, maybe it was Calvert Lewin's second yeah. actually. Yeah. And he's done that like a lot this season. He has got some assists, but he's also he's playing that defense splitting pass into a channel or, or, yeah. or really quickly that the team like, whoa, where did that come from? Mm-hmm. And then before you know it, they've lost their their, their, stri- their striker. The striker the yeah. ball comes in, and it's and they don't know where Calvert Lewin is or whatever. And, and I think. He's class. I think he's been so. He's been really yeah. good. And hasn't he got like the least sprints and like the least yards covered or something yeah. as well? Yeah, yeah, he has. Yeah, I know he had that after a couple of, a couple of games. I don't know where he's yeah, at. Yeah, he had like but... one sprint or something. Yeah. Um. Oh. All right. We'll leave. Uh, we'll leave Hammers in there. So then that brings us on to the front three. Um. Son. And Kane. Can you argue against either of those two being in this team? Move mm. on, move on, yeah, next one. Uh, but then this does... Unfortunately, yeah, move on. <laughs> it does raise the question of Dominic Calvert-Lewin um, and whether he... Because surely he's probably fighting with Kane for that position in the team of the season here. Yeah, he he, he, he is. But I think he's, as you said, you know, you need your backup goalkeeper in McCarthy. He's a backup striker. If Kane's not... Yeah. He's got a little knock or whatever. He's not firing or you sub him on. It's almost like a like for like um, to a degree. Yeah, there was a, a crazy stat that I saw. I'll see if I can get it up now. But it was um, across the top five or the big five European leagues. Um, I think Calvert-Lewin. Yeah, so you've got Lewandowski's got 11 goals for Bayern. Um, Haaland, Zlatan and Calvert-Lewin have all got 10. Um, and then next up is... Uh, uh, Son and Mbappe with nine each. Um, but it is quite remarkable what, what Calvert-Lewin is doing this year. Um, so, yeah, like you say, backup is probably a safe bet. Um, 
Kane, I think, is is providing in other ways um, yeah. that that still is still warranting um, his place in the team. Should touch on there as well. Zlatan is absolutely incredible uh, this year. Quick question, which is a yes or no from both of you, or, or whatever the answer may be. But um, does Zlatan make Serie A look bad, or does Serie A make uh, Zlatan look good? Is that is that a fair? Are they the same answer? I think that's the same question. But yeah, basically, like know you know, is say. is he a pro- can is he only performing? Could he only do it in Serie A at the age no. that he's at? No, I don't think so. I think he 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 would do it here. He did it here. It wasn't that yeah. long ago where he was doing it here. He's not he's not Kane. He's not going to be prolific. But I definitely have him now mm. on a swap deal of Lacazette for sure. Yeah, yeah. Slatan, I think would turn around any team. Um, Milan are also one of only uh, six teams across the big five that are yet to lose a game this season. Um, they have won six, drawn two. Um, other teams in that list, we've got Wolfsburg, Sassuolo, uh, Bayer Leverkusen, Juventus and Atletico Madrid, uh, who obviously had a 1-0 win over Barcelona, I think, this weekend. Um, crazy stat here as well. Uh, Atletico Madrid have conceded only two goals in like eight or nine games this year so far, um, which is is quite remarkable. I mean, I think um, Simeone is a, is a manager that at some point, I think he will move on from Madrid and hopefully we'll see, um, you know, if he can do it elsewhere in the world. I'd love to see him in the Premier League uh, as a manager. Um, but yeah, that final place then in our... Um, team of the season so far is Salah at the moment, I guess, in this right wing position. Um, any, any, anyone that you would have other than Mo Salah? I mean, he has been very consistent. I guess you could argue Mane. Mane could be flexible enough to play that position. They don't have to be sort of rigidly stuck into um, that position. No, I'm having Salah. Richarlison, maybe if he hadn't had the three-game uh, ban following the the Merseyside derby, we uh, saw obviously forty seconds into his return to the uh, Everton <laughs> team, he blazes through and and sets up Calvert Lewin for a goal against Fulham. No, I I think I'd have Salah. He's he's just a little bit more cleverer and a bit more got more finesse than than Richarlison. I think in terms of Mane, again I'd say exactly the same 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 things, and I think. You've got Son for all the running and the chasing and the donkey work and all that. You can't, you don't, if, you, if you're going to have Marnie in there, I think you take out Son. And that's, and that's a matter of opinion of Chelsea versus, I mean, Liverpool versus uh, Spurs fans and who they prefer. But you've got to have Salah in there, in my opinion. And you've got to have Kane. And really, you've got to have Son. <laughs> yeah. I think uh, then if we, we lock that in, but some honorable mentions, like you said, James Justin. Uh, for Leicester, I think Declan Rice is having another great season. I think he's a player that just flies under the radar and, and people don't maybe notice the things he's doing. But also uh, David Moyes' new Fellaini, as they're calling him in, in uh, Suchek, um, has been another good, you know, solid player this year, I think, who who should, for me, he'd be making the um, the squad at least at this point in the season. Um, Regulon, Regulon at left back for yeah. us. Quite impressive. He um, 
but he gets quite excited. That's the only thing he run like when he does a good job, he gets a bit excitable and then sort of like slides all over the place. But um, <laughs> he had uh, Mares in his back pocket, like on, on yeah, yeah, which is, incredibly which well. is uh, mm. a great achievement. And uh, Angola Kante continues to to kind of impress um, statistically, at least. Um, I think another player that kind of maybe people don't appreciate what he does. I, th- I think there was a moment in the in the Chelsea game this weekend where he he intercepted a ball and then he just pinged, he pinged the ball like cross-field, like Paul Scholeswood. And I just thought like, that's, that's N'Golo Kante. Like we would never, if, if you listed out like his attributes, you would never put like long, long passing or like cross-field passing. Um, and I just, th- I think he is just a, a brilliant player and Gano Kante and he, and he still is. Um, I think he scored for France on the recent uh, international break as well, um, which was a rarity. But yeah, I think Kante for me as well would make the team. Probably, you know, him him or Hoybier, you couldn't have both, but uh, excellent, excellent players nonetheless. Um, we'll do a really, really quick social media roundup here because uh, I am aware we've been on for an hour. So let's go... Um, very quickly here so hello and welcome to the social media roundup for btf 57 first up we spoke about the new coronavirus regulations that will allow 4,000 fans or up to 4,000 fans uh to attend games um i think that are in the tier one uh category and then it goes tier two 2,000 fans tier three no fans um greg i'll come to you on this one um is 4,000 fans you know a good step forward and, and will that make a difference in the games it's a step in the right direction and it will make more of a difference to championship league one and league two and they're the clubs that need that little bit of difference at the moment okay uh next up our point uh was or our topic was spurs uh being top of the table right now can they stay there uh come to the arsenal fan mr john miller on this one I think they'll definitely stay there and they'll be floating around the top three or four for the majority of the season. But I think if Liverpool get through this, then I think Liverpool will win the league. The okay. sticky period that they've got now with injuries, I think Liverpool will win the league. Nice. Uh, just as I have come to a, an Arsenal fan there on a, on a Spurs issue, I'll, I'll flip back to the, uh, the Tottenham fan in the room uh, to talk about Arteta. Um, has he been dealt a bad hand here with this Arsenal squad or is he part of the issue, Greg? I think that he has been dealt a really bad hand, but also I think, and John's not going to like this, but I think Arteta moving to Arsenal has impacted Man City more than it has Arsenal. Nice. Uh, and then finally on the show this week, which you can check out either on twitch.tv forward slash the BTF podcast, or you can listen on Spotify, iTunes, all good podcast providers, or you can go and watch it on YouTube uh we spoke about yeah our team of the season so far now i'm gonna bring up two players here or or two positions rather so we've got in the midfield um john would you take bruno fernandez or pierre emile hoibier hoibier all day great you agree with that every day of the week (laughs) and uh another spurs player versus uh an everton player here we've got harry kane or dominic calvert lewin as centre forward, Greg, <laughs> Harry Kane every day of the week. 
every day. I can see a pattern yeah, here. There's not, there's not too many times I agree with Spurs fans, but yeah, on this occasion, yeah. But yeah, you will have to uh, check out the full show to uh, to make sure that there are some players that don't play for Spurs uh, in our team of the season so far. Uh, and that is the social media round social media uh, roundup for BTF fifty seven. Cool. All right, boys. Well, there's the show. Um, John, are you watching I'm a Celeb? I am, yeah. Got it on record, so I'll be nice. forwarding the adverts. I yeah. actually like watching it a bit late. A little bit later, yeah. Forward the adverts. Sorry. Is that with Sky Plus or Sky, whatever it's called? Virgin. Virgin, yeah, we're, we're on the same. Um, Greg, have you been watching it? Seen any of it? Uh, nah, nah. I've been keeping up to date with uh your tweets though yeah. i feel like i know what's going on just by checking out your twitter every feed. now and then yeah one pops um so yeah i'm, I'm gonna go off and, and watch that as well um but yeah same time same place next week uh we'll be back so uh hopefully we'll see you there thanks for watching uh and uh, both of you thanks for joining me today uh for the show i also feel a little bit better i feel like the the tempo of the show has kind <laughs> of ousted a little bit of my coldiness so uh i'm <laughs> sure step hopefully that let that continue um but yeah we'll see you guys next week thanks for watching